I think like without being extremely intentional, we just do exactly what we experienced, you know? So if you, if you do know that you want to do things a little differently, you have to be very intentional about it. Confident Teens Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel, and I don't have a co-host today, which is a rare occasion for me. Jenna got her wisdom teeth out last week, and she's been really struggling, and the subject we're talking about today is not one I think Hudson would be wanting to talk about, so he gets a pass. But I'm excited to talk to today's guest, Elise Knox. Elise is a former middle school teacher turned life and wellness coach. She is fascinated by brain development and the nervous system and believes that understanding these two things can make teen years so much easier for mamas and teens. Elise coaches both mamas and their teens. Her mission is to bring enjoyment back into family relationships by helping her clients connect with themselves so that they can stay connected to their loved ones. When not working on her business, Elise loves impromptu dance parties, hiking to a sweet secluded swimming hole with her family, hot yoga, and cooking anything from scratch while listening to one of her favorite podcasts. Welcome to the podcast, Elise. Thank you for having me. Ah, do you have a you have your own private secluded swimming hole that no one knows about? Um, we have a few, and I wouldn't say no one knows about them, but no, not very many people take the time to hike to them. Yeah, we used to have, we used to live about a mile from a creek, um, and we would hike up there or drive up there, and we'd be like the only people because we'd go during the day, because uh, I homeschooled back then, and and we'd mm-hmm. be the only people swimming, which could be fun, but then sometimes it's boring for kids. <laughs> like there's no yeah. one to play with. That's yeah, awesome. I know. I think it's it's fun for the parent. It's nice to just be by yourself but I think kids at some point really want playmates yeah yeah we have been way past now it's not cool we're in the teenage stage where it's not cool to go swimming um at the creek or the pool anymore you have to go like to the beach (laughs) right things change (laughs) yeah so tell us a little bit about your story how did you start coaching teens Yeah, so I um, was a middle school special ed teacher, actually, and um, I, when I got pregnant with my oldest daughter, I really, just really wanted to stay home with her, and um, so I took some time off from teaching, and I also then had another daughter, and um, I, since I was 22, had, like, an undiagnosed autoimmune condition, and... um, Sometime before getting pregnant with my first daughter, I um, started down the functional medicine route and really cleaned up my diet and changed some things about my lifestyle and was able to get off all of the medicine I was taking and have my family. And so once I stopped teaching, I found health coaching and did a health coach training program. And I really loved it. And the program that I did was a lot around food, which is kind of how I found health coaching. 
Um, but then once my youngest was in preschool, I found a position at a school, a middle school and a high school for health coaching. And I was like, this is not what I was planning on doing with coaching, but this is interesting. So I did it, took the position and, um, started coaching teens. And through that, I realized that not much of what I was coaching on was like physical health. A lot of it was mental, emotional, and social. Right. And so I, I did that through COVID, which was an interesting, like I coached, I was in person and then COVID happened and then I became virtual through that position. And somewhere along the way, I was like, I really want to dive deeper into um, the mental, emotional, social, like more of a life coaching program. So I found a program that I absolutely loved and did that during that time. And, um, and then I realized that coaching in the school was amazing. And I got a lot of experience working with teens, but when a teen was having a challenge at home, it was very hard to get very far because I was just kind of like this school uh, staff basically. And then they, I didn't have any contact with their parents. And so, or I had, you know, they weren't involved in the coaching, like they signed documents and stuff, but they weren't part of it. And so I really realized that it's a group effort and I could coach the teen, but if, part of the challenge was their relationship with their parent or their environment at home. It was very challenging to make changes because they didn't have as much control over that. Right. So then I, um, after about two years of working in the school, I went out on my own and kind of started creating my own, my own system, which brings, which always involves the family. Yeah. That's awesome. What were you like as a teenager? <laughs> That's a wonderful question. <laughs> um, I was, I had a really great family and upbringing and I was a very challenged teenager. So um, all of the things that teens go through, um, like, you know, you mentioned in my intro, like that I like brain development. So I'm very fascinated in learning about that to try to support both the teens and the parents in their process. So like the desire to connect with peers over adults, that was 100% me. Um, like seeking uh, like the behaviors that are kind of dangerous, that was 100% me. Um, like not wanting to fit into my family mold anymore and wanting to be different, that was 100% me. All of the things that that I learned about were me and I, I wasn't super connected to my mom who had been very connected to all of my life and, um, just really wanted to only be around friends and only do crazy things. And yeah, I was, I, th I would say I was challenging for my family. Yeah. Have you had conversations with your mom since then about, hey, this is what I've learned about brain development and this is why I did all that stuff? 
Yeah, so it's interesting. My mom actually passed away suddenly um, right before I found out I was pregnant with my oldest daughter. Oh, man. So, so yeah, that's kind of another part of my uh, why for doing this is I really feel like I missed some some important years with her. And we did we did definitely come back together. And <clears throat> though I didn't know all of the reasons why I did that. Like we've, we definitely connected and talked about how challenging I was. So we, it, we, we came back together, but I, that is definitely part of the reason that I'm so passionate about helping moms and teens is because I, I did feel like I missed, missed some years there. Yeah. Yeah. But it's good that you've got to, uh, you know, get, get some kind of uh, reconciliation after that. Because I've heard so many stories of teenagers where they just go off the rails and and then, you know, the parents are like, are we ever going to, you know, are they ever going to be my little baby again? <laughs> you know? It's such yeah. a... Uh, uh, so hard on the relationship if you don't know how to navigate it. So hard. And I think, like, that is... That is one of the, like, no, they're not going to be your baby again, but they, the relationship can change. But it really does feel like when I, when I talk to moms who are going through it and it's not going super well, it really feels like a loss yeah. for them. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I was listening to a podcast yesterday, uh, the One Thing podcast, and there was a woman on there. And she said, you know, the greatest currency that we have is our relationships. Mm. And I'm like, huh, yeah, that's, that's really true. You know, we, we spend so much time seeking other things, you know, mm-hmm. but really. And I don't think you get that when you're a kid. I think the no. older you get, the more you realize how important relationships are. You know, as you start to lose people or, you know, you get older and you're, you start missing those you know, those friendships you had when you were younger with maybe your college friends or your high school friends. Like, you know, I really miss them. You know, I, you know, I think when you first start out, you know, young adult, you're pretty independent and you're like, it, it's all right, you know, if I don't have a whole lot of friends. But then the older you get, you realize how important those friendships are. Yeah. And I think, you know, something as I grow up um something that i notice is like how uh it takes time like when you want to have those really intentional relationships it's not simple i mean it's it's actually simple it's not easy it takes um dedication and you you put the work in and and when you do it's so worth it but in our busy lives it's easy to be like i don't have time for a phone call or to go have coffee or I've got all these other things going on. But when you put the time in those, those relationships are everything. Yeah. I think we've come to realize that more too with, with all this COVID lockdown stuff, you know, like, man, I really miss people. You know, I'm I'm Mm -hmm. I'm an introvert. um, So I don't really mind it too much being alone, but even I was like, man, I I would like to be around people. (laughs) Yeah. I know. I actually was like, maybe, maybe I am an introvert because I enjoyed it a lot, but I'm starting to be like, okay, I'm really ready to turn back on the social, yeah, <laughs> the social connection right now. So what do you notice is the biggest <clears throat> challenge for your teen clients? 
Um, you know, it's funny. Relationships are one of the really big challenges, um, whether that's a relationship with their parents or their siblings or their friends. So that's definitely something that we spend a lot of time talking about with my teen clients. Uh, and I think it's so funny that, that that's the question that followed what we were just talking about because um, they don't get it, especially with parents and and um, peer or not peer siblings. It's not that they don't get it, but like they don't understand. Like it's they haven't realized, like you said yet, like how important these connections are. And so oftentimes <clears throat> it's kind of like, oh, they're just annoying or, oh, we're not getting along. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, but then when I dive a little bit deeper and ask questions and we start exploring, they're like, oh, I really love my brother. Or, oh, like my mom does so many wonderful things for me. Like, yes, I do want to make a bigger effort in this area. So that is one of the things that we focus on for sure. So why do you think relationships are so hard for teens? Is it because they're still sort of me-centric? Yeah, I think part, partially it's me-centric, and I think the relationships that are exceptionally hard are those ones that are the, like, family, long-lasting, gonna be there forever relationships, and those are not the relationships that teens are really desiring to pour their time into at that time of life. Right. They're beginning to connect more with their friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, that part of brain development for a teen is extremely necessary for them to become successful social adults. Right. So it's almost like the sibling parent relationships kind of have to take a back burner for a little while and i think it's also not bad for them to connect back to the importance of them what do you mean by that like i think it's good for them to have conversations with people like me where they're like oh yeah i do love my brother oh yeah my mom is really awesome like a new because those con yes yeah. those conversations may not be happening with their friends yeah, because it's not cool to friends to sit around and talk about how great your mom did. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. And actually, one of my clients who struggles with her um, relationship with her mom a little bit, but she's, you know, she will say to me, like, oh, my mom, like, is by far the, and, you know, best is, an, is a relative term, but she's so much better than all my friends' parents. And, like, whatever, I don't know what her friends' parents are either not as supportive or too control whatever it is and yet she still is really struggling with that relationship but having time to like every time we meet to think about like oh the wonderful things she does and ways to communicate with her mom that will keep that connection that's another big thing i work on with with both moms and teens is communication yeah so what, what do you think is the biggest challenge for parents? Is it communicating in a way to our teens that doesn't come across the wrong way? Is that the biggest challenge you see? Um, yes. So communicating in a way that, yeah, doesn't come out or doesn't come across as um, like prying or controlling or all of that. I mean, one of the main concerns that 
a lot of my moms say is like, I can't say anything without triggering them. So, you know, you're just asking like, hey, have you done your homework yet? And it, and it sends your teen into a whatever, like a freak out or a you're always nagging, whatever it is. And so I think what I really believe, I used um, nonviolent communication to kind of break communication down, but a lot of it is getting really clear and clean with your own energy before having the conversations. So, so give us a couple tips. Like, okay, so I've got to talk to my kid about their homework. Mm-hmm. How do I go about that? Uh, what would I, what would be like two or three things I can do to make that not trigger them or trigger me? Yeah. So for starters, um, like being in a really calm place personally. So, um, I find it very helpful to get really clear ahead of time and have conversations when, um, tensions are not already heightened and that could be really challenging because a, like everyone's busy. And so there isn't always a lot of time. Um, and B like, maybe the homework is due tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it, it's really being very intentional about when you have the conversation and what your energy is like. I also, it's very easy to, if for example, your teen has like not been a hundred percent truthful about doing, getting their homework done in the past. It's very easy to come to that conversation, assuming that they might not be being 100% honest with you now. So it's really getting like clean and clear with your energy and and having an open conversation rather than like coming in with a, an assumption already kind of stressed out and um and like not with enough time to have a conversation. Yeah. That's true in like marriage, right? Don't, yeah. Don't, don't confront somebody when they're hungry. <laughs> right. I mean, it's true that like I, I have a guide for communicating with your teen and my like the preface is this works with everyone. Like, you know, the, these these tips are not just for your teen, but they are helpful with your teen as well. Right. You know, what if you do your best to um, always be the calm and cool, but your kid like likes to trigger you? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think that's another time for introspection is like, what, what about this thing is triggering? What about, what are they doing and what does that remind me of? Because a lot of times, um, like for example, I have a teen client who has her first boyfriend and it's very like they I don't they've never kissed. I think they maybe hold hands. Like it's not like they're friends, but right. it, they have the boyfriend label. And he has the boyfriend label and um so her mom is like immediately gone to like pregnancy and um 
like drug use and like she's gone way way far right and so her teen is like i can't i don't talk to my mom about that ever or every time i talk to her she gets you know and so that's really the mom taking a step back and saying like what about my daughter having this person that she's calling her boyfriend what is that that's so triggering for me yeah yeah that's good and that goes back to the mom's experience when she was a teenager, I'm sure. Right. Yeah. What are some things that teens wish their parents understood? Um, I believe that, like, they are their own person and things, like, they're not going to the same, like, things are different. Not just, like, life is different now than it was back then, but, like, the teen is a different person than the parent or the mom was. You know what I mean? Yeah, you're, you're, you don't need to live vicariously through your kids. <laughs> you don't need to live vicariously through them. The things that happen to you aren't necessarily going to happen to them. And I mean, that's something that I am very aware of going into those teen years because my daughters are a little younger. I had a step, I have a stepson who's 24, so I did teen years with him. And I very much lived in the like, I did everything, so you can't slot, you can't get anything past me, and I'm going to like I know what you're doing, because <laughs> I broke all the rules and la I did all the things, and so I don't want to I don't want to go into my daughter's teen years like that, and so I have to do a lot of work on myself to know that like I need to separate myself from their teen years and my what my teen years were. Right. Because you assume the worst. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I, you know, I could see... I, there's a fine line there because you don't want your kids... I mean, kids do get into trouble, right? Yes, there yeah. is a fine line. And <laughs> it's, uh, it's... And it's scary. You know, that's like the... The thing with moms, especially, because that's who I mostly work with, who are going through their typically daughters, because I usually work with girls, um, really pulling away is like, and only wanting to be with peers, is there's the loss aspect of feeling like you're losing this, this friendship and this connection. And there's fear. And that's real, because if peer, if teens are only connecting to peers, then they don't have like the mature adult brain to bounce ideas off of. Yeah. And in the past, like many years ago, you know, in different cultures still, there's like elders and there are um, rites of passage and there are all these things. And in our culture, it's like, oh, you're a teenager. Good luck. <laughs> yeah. Why is that? I don't know. I believe that like supporting parents and teens through the teen years are just as important or if not more than like toddlerhood and, and new parents. Right. Yeah. Cause it's, there is more, there's more opportunity for real danger really. Yeah. Yeah. There's tons of support for people when they first have kids, preschool years, you know, and it's, it's acceptable to ask questions and have problems you know like mm -hmm. my kid won't potty train you know that's that's acceptable but it gets more sticky when they get older I guess because because we don't want to look like we're failing 
you know? Yeah. There's not wanting to look like you're failing. And then there's also, which is a big one. And there's also like, there are things your teen is going through that you don't want to share with other people because they wouldn't want you to share it with right. other people. Yeah. Their privacy. That's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so having, you know, I, I have a client, a mom client right now who's, um, whose daughter is there. She's divorced from her daughter's dad and her daughter is choosing to live with her dad. And it's heartbreaking because of the loss and all of the things. And she feels ashamed. She doesn't want to connect with her friends about it because she feels she it's, you know, like she doesn't, she's not fully comfortable with it. And so having the support of me in this situation or anyone is like very important for her so that she can be open and honest about it. Yeah. And a lot of times, you know, I've seen situations like that where they go live with the other parent and it's not because that parent is the better parent. It's be- oftentimes it's because that parent lets them get away with more stuff. 100%. <laughs> right. So so I feel for that poor mama. <laughs> and that was definitely what I experienced as a step parent too, was like um, our house had a lot more rules. And so at some point it was, uh, I'm going to go live with the parent who doesn't have as many rules right. and who doesn't, you know, make me whatever, do the, these specific things. And as a step parent, I could be a little bit more ob- objective about that. I think as a biological parent, it just feels painful. Yeah. Yeah. There's really no solution to that other than both parents having the same roles because the kid is going to choose. <laughs> the kid is mm. going to choose what is most the easiest for them. Yeah, and that happens 100%. And that, like, that happened in my house with just, like, if I wanted to do something, who did I ask? I asked my mom every single time. I never asked my dad because she would always talk to my dad, but I knew she was the, um, not even the more lenient one. She was just, like, kind of easier to talk to and all of those things. So I think it happens in every house, but when the parents aren't communicating as well and I mean that's that adds a whole other list of challenges to teenage years when the when the families are not communicating well yeah yeah well so um yeah I think that it's hugely important to find a third party if you're going through struggles whether it be somebody like you or a therapist or a good friend, somebody to talk to mm-hmm. just so that you can have someone to tell you, you know, if you have a good friend that you tell you, Hey, you're being a little bit too harsh on the kid or, you know, you're, or you, or you're letting him get away with too. You know, it's like mm-hmm. sometimes we need somebody besides our own brain to tell us and give us input, their input. Cause we do filter a lot of what we do through the lens of what we experienced growing up. And I'm noticing that more and more the older I get. Like, why did I do that? My husband tells me that all the time. Why are you acting like that? You're living, you're really, you're acting out something from your childhood that has no relevance to the situation. So, you know, and, and I had good parents, not to say I didn't have good parents, but you know, they weren't perfect. And I think even if somebody had perfect parents, they still would have issues. A hundred percent. And I think like 
without being extremely intentional, we just do exactly what we experienced, you know? So if you, if you do know that you want to do things a little differently, you have to be very intentional about it. Yeah. And it's easy to just kind of float along in anything, but even in this, you know, it's easy just to just, you know, I'll deal with that later or Mm -hmm. it's not, it's not urgent. You know, we're not having, we're not that bad. You know, it's easy to, to, uh, kind of delay, uh, dealing with stuff when we probably, the, the sooner you can, you can work through stuff, um, the better it is, even if it means uncomfortableness. (laughs) Totally. And I think like that's, um, I think a lot of what I talk about with parents, like it's really great if it starts, if you start these things with your teen before they're even a teen, you know, (laughs) because uh, it's harder once they're already kind of set in their ways and things are already not going amazing. But if you have some of these like systems where they share openly with you and like these things in place where you really listen to them, you show interest in their interests and really nurture the the relationship and take time to connect that's going to pay off in spades when they become a teenager and you already have that strong bond it's interesting there's like the the i don't know somebody I, i think somebody referred to it once as like the honeymoon period where kids are like eight seven or eight to maybe 10 or to 11 or 12 um, where like they're they're pretty independent, they don't need you as much, and they're also um, they're not adolescents yet. And I think that you know my older daughter is in that in that period. Both of them, they're a lot. They don't need me quite as much anymore, physically. Um, and I think maybe that can add to the challenges of adolescence because if you don't continue even though they they're not needing me all the time if i'm not continuing to check in my older daughter will not always share everything with me my younger daughter will share everything with me at this point um but if i'm not checking in with her a lot about what's going on it's easier not to but then i'm not building that connection with her and then when when real when like bigger things start to happen Will she feel comfortable sharing with me? Yeah. So how do you encourage that without coming across as prying? Um, yeah. So with, you know, my daughter's nine and um, I just try to periodically when I can tell she's doing good and I'm like, we're both in a good place and my younger one's not around for a few minutes. So sometimes that's like in the car on the way to her singing lesson or whatever it is so the other day it was um just like my younger daughter was playing with our dog and she was in bed just relaxing and I was just came and sat with her and talked to her and like starting with connection always not coming in and being like hey so I heard such and such happened at school today what's going on um but really like taking a few minutes just to connect with her and like hug her and just however we connect and then really gently bringing up the topic that I want to discuss um, or asking her if there's anything she wants to share. And sometimes she says no and I can tell she has something and that usually starts 
the process and sometimes she really doesn't want to but then when she and I don't force her by any means but it, when she does she always tells me it feels better once she's gotten it off her chest and I know that if I don't make those times we she won't share them with me and then I and then we're not building that connection yeah yeah I like to go up into my girls rooms at night like around mm-hmm. that time and just hang out sit on the bed sometimes I fall asleep on their bed <laughs> they'll be like mom get up yeah uh, yeah but those are those are the sweet times that they'll like you just talk about stuff you know yeah um, I think if you start doing that when they're younger it's not as weird as if you were to start doing it all of a sudden when they're you know 16 right yeah yeah, which is like in in when they're sixteen, you are you are trying to get information out of them. When you start when they're a little younger, you're like really just connecting. Right. Yeah. You know, a lot of times when they're littler, you read them bedtime stories, and then that kind of just disappears, right? Mm-hmm. And then you don't do anything. So, so you know, for there was a period there where I didn't really go in their rooms and talk, but then I'm like, you know, I'm just gonna go bebop in there and hang out. They don't seem to mind. They haven't told me to get out yet. So. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's like that. That's you being really intentional. Like the easier thing is for them to go to bed and you to say goodnight and love them and all of that, but not taking that time to be like, you know what? I'm gonna go. I've noticed that we're not having that time anymore. I'm gonna go in there and I'm gonna make that time. That's or, intentional. Or we do lunch dates. Go out for lunch or alone without anybody else. Yeah, so that's like, those are the, the those are the habits and the things that you want to do to keep that so that when, when a challenge does come up, you're like, hey, let's go to lunch, and maybe there is something behind that that you do want to talk to them about, but it's not like, oh my gosh, my mom, choose, you know? Yeah. Because they're like, oh, cool, we're going to lunch. Like, this is what we do, and then maybe we have a conversation about something that's kind of present right now, but it's not dreaded because it's something you guys do for fun right yeah it's just a normal thing so do you mostly deal with with girls and their moms or do you do do you have any clients that are boys i mostly deal with um i mostly work with girls and their moms yes i have when i worked in the school i had probably like 50 50 clients Mm -hmm. boys and girls but who I work with in my private practice is 90% like 12 to 15, 16 year old girls and their moms. You know, I think that most girls, most people, but especially girls, because I'm a girl, that's what I get answered for. But I think um, they crave that relationship, even though they would never admit it. Mm-hmm. Right. And they want to yeah. have a good... Nobody wants to have a bad relationship with their parents. No, they, they don't. They just don't know how to navigate it a lot of times. I I remember being... I, I didn't know what I was doing as a teenager. So I kind of... I just went internal, you know? I was very introverted. Um, didn't know how to talk to people, really, about stuff like that. So... And, and my mom, you know, my mom tells me now, you know, I, I didn't know how to talk to you. And I can, looking back, I can see, you know, we just didn't know what to do. (laughs) 
Yeah, and I think I think that is the place that so many families of teenagers are in. Like the teen doesn't know what to do, the parents don't know what to do. And like we were talking about a minute ago, like the easiest thing to do is just kinda like get through it. Yeah. And that is like one of the things I'm passionate about is like yeah, it's challenging for sure. It's a hard time. And there's a better way than just like, oh, got to get through this. Yeah. Yeah, you could have a good relationship. Yeah, there's a way to stay connected. It's not going to be exactly like it was when they were little. It's not going to be exactly like it was when they're out of it. But there's a way to for it not to, like, suck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's, that's good stuff. Um, is there anything else you want to add? Um, I don't think we've covered a lot today. I think, I think that's, that's pretty good. Yeah. Where where can people find you if they want more info? Yeah. So, uh, my website is elisenox.com and I actually have a communication, a free communication guide. Um, and I teach a monthly masterclass on that's basically just like going over my guide and, People can ask questions and I like will do some coaching if there's time. Um, so that's that's one way. And then um, definitely my Instagram is where I hang out What's when that? it comes to social media. And that is Elise Knox Connection Coach. Awesome. Yeah, that's good. That's a great resource to have. If, if you're struggling with communicating, check out her website. I'll have links in the show notes. I just want to thank you so much for coming on the podcast good stuff yeah thank you for having me it was a wonderful conversation that about wraps this episode up just a reminder if you like our podcast don't forget to leave us a review and tell your friends about us have a great week